on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. Welcome in. It is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Here we are. We're going to talk all things Brewers baseball for the next hour or so, taking you up till 9 o'clock. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can do so by calling or texting in to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers had a good day today. They defeat the Phillies by an 11-3 score. They take three of four from Philadelphia. So they come off that little three-game losing streak they had where they lost the last two games against the Cubs and the first game against the Phillies. They've answered that with a three-game winning streak. And if you go all the way back to May 3rd, they have now won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 11 of their last 14 counting live on the radio. That's always fun. So things are going well right now. Things are going well. And there was a bump in the road when they lost two out of three to the Cubs. And there was really bad weather conditions. Second straight year. Isn't that weird? Second straight year where they go to Chicago fairly early in the season, in the first third of the season, and have really bad weather and can't score many runs. And then they're able to jump out of that uh, after that. They are, they're probably already in Atlanta. I would guess that they, yeah, of course they're already in Atlanta. They went from the ballpark to a plane and planes move really fast. So yes, they are in Atlanta. They'll be more rested than the Braves because the Braves are wrapping up their series against St. Louis tonight. I would also assume that that game is still in progress. We'll get an update for you here in just a moment. Uh, but they'll, uh, they'll be a little bit more, uh, rested. Yeah, top of the fifth. The Braves lead the Cardinals right now by a 5 nothing score. Uh, so Brewers can uh, sit back in Atlanta tonight, watch that game in their hotel rooms, go out for dinner, and then they'll uh, open up that series coming up tomorrow. They'll be back at home coming up next week. Here's what we got on the program tonight. A lot to get into. Lots, lots, lots to get into. It was an exciting week. It was the debut of Keston Hira. Top prospect in the organization gets called up. You kind of felt this one coming. And I, I literally mean you kind of felt this one coming. Because really what happened over the last couple of weeks, especially with the struggles of Travis Shaw, all of a sudden you went from thinking that there was absolutely zero chance that Keston Hero would get called up to thinking maybe, possible, now, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I find out the Keston here is getting called up, I'm going to be mildly surprised but not shocked. And that's kind of how I was this past week. I think it was Robert Murray of The Athletic who initially uh, reported it uh, this past week. Um, and he was, uh, it, it didn't shock me. It just, it did not shock me that, um, that they made that decision. And one of the changes we have seen really in, in in baseball i feel like a lot of times we talk about the changes over the course of like the last 10 years i kind of feel like one of the changes that's happened in baseball over the course of maybe the last 3 years is um that organizations are more willing to bring a prospect up 
let them get their feet wet, and then they will. Then maybe they'll send them back down. We saw that with Lewis Brinson. You know the the old model was that you would call up a top level prospect when you were ready to give them a full time everyday job. That was the model. I don't know what's led to the change. I don't know if it's just more kind of nuanced thinking. I don't know what it is, but it's changed. And I would bet Keston here at some point goes back to AAA. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he hits the heck out of the ball, and he just never, you know, he can he can keep himself in the big leagues by hitting. That's what, if, if he hits the ball, if he's got a solid batting average, he's going to stay at the big league level. But it's not easy to be a major league hitter. So we'll get into all that coming up later on uh, in the program. We'll talk about the pitching. Uh, right now, the Brewers actually have a little bit too much pitching, which is, you know, there's really no such thing. But I'll explain that because they're making some tough decisions now in terms of what the rotation looks like. And Zach Davies, again today, does a really, really nice job as Davies allows just one earned run in six innings of work, and he drops his ERA to one point. Five four, it's uh, it's good stuff right now from Zach Davies, and we're far enough along into the season. This isn't a fluke. This isn't just a hot start. This is this is real from Davies, and I'm not saying he's going to have a 1.54 ERA when the season gets done. He probably won't. But what he's doing right now is remarkable, and he has become the anchor of this rotation through the first month, month and a half. What are we, almost two months? Month and a half of the season. All right, if you want to join us, 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet in as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. You want to join the program? You can do so. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. It is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program if you'd like at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. This was an exciting week. I always wonder. Ashton, I'm I cover the Brewers on an everyday basis. And before I was in Milwaukee, I spent 10 years as a minor league baseball broadcaster. So, like, I am, I am dug in on the Brewers, and I am dug in on kind of what's going on to a certain level, to a certain extent, at the minor league, with, with what's going on throughout the minor league system. I'm not saying I know everything about these prospects. I do my podcast every week, and I do a, a farm report, and there's half the times where I'm going through some of these minor league affiliates going to myself, I don't know who these people are. i got to figure this thing out. But I have a, I have a pretty good – my hand's on the, the pulse in terms of the top-level prospects. So Keston Hira has been the top prospect in the organization, and he gets called up. Do you think – Ashton, do you think – because I can't comment on this because – of how, again, I'll use the term dug in I am on what's going on with the Brewers on an everyday basis. Do you think the average person out there completely realized like the, the stature of prospect Keston Hero was and he, when he was getting called up? Co- comparatively to anybody or just in general? Just in general. 
I'll say yes. I'll, okay. give him the, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say yes. All right, because you never look. We we talked about this on a previous show because I think it's so dumb that minor league baseball is putting the kibosh on uh, videos of minor league players being put out on social media. Because for me, it's like we gotta we gotta educate the fans of major league teams of all the cool and exciting stuff that's happening throughout the minor league system. And for the Brewers, one of the coolest and one of the most exciting things happening was Keston Hira. Here's kind of a breakdown on Hira, by the way, just his, if you don't know his background. Uh, he was drafted a couple years ago. He was a first-round draft pick. He came out of UC Irvine. We had always heard that his, his bat played, was, it was essentially a big major league bat from the moment he was drafted. I mean, there was some refinement that was needed, and that happened throughout the minor leagues. But there was never any question on the bat. His final season in college, he only DH'd. He never played in the field because he had a bad elbow, and he was rehabbing that elbow. There's been some talk throughout his time coming up that at some point in time that elbow could be bad, and he might even need Tommy John surgery. Uh, he had the option to get Tommy John surgery a few years ago, decided to rehab instead of go with Tommy John, and so far that has worked out. Every level that he's played at in the Brewers minor league system, he's hit the heck out of the ball, and he has just zipped up through the system. And now he's here. And he he looked really good game one. Hasn't had a hit since then. The one thing is... An, we sometimes we're prisoners of the moment. Like just as human beings, we are prisoners of the moment. What's happening right now, or what has happened most recently, is it, it's it's worth more to us. We put more stock in that than history at times. It's just it's the human condition. We're prisoners of the moment. So there's I've already seen people out there on social media talk about oh. He's got to change his approach at the plate. Look what's happened the last two days. Pitchers have already adjusted to him. He's seen a lot more breaking balls these last two games. He saw a lot of fastballs game one, a lot of breaking balls here in these last two days. It, there's an adjustment period. You know that's the old, That shows you how much he already has the respect of other teams, or at least of the Philadelphia Phillies, because of the numbers of, uh, of breaking balls that are being thrown his way. And he's going to adjust. I have no doubt that he is going to adjust to it. And for me, put him in the lineup every day. Just keep running him out there. Let him play. And I think he's going to be a very, very successful major league hitter. Let's go to Paul in the North Shore. Hey, Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good evening. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. Bring up a great point about not allowing video and stuff, uh, you know, on social media of the minor league players. It's the same thing with MLB not knowing or not marketing their players the right way. Look at Mike Trout. I wouldn't know Mike Trout if he and I were riding up in an elevator together and it was just here. I mean, you told me that. I mean, they, they just don't do a good job, and I don't think that uh, – I know I didn't understand or still don't understand how big an impact Keston here is coming from the minors to the Brewers at, you know, in May, uh, you know, early in the season. Yeah. And I think it has to do with, with, with MLB and, and their rules or why, or why they don't market them. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, again – Mike Trout or any any big name really, yes, Field Puig. When he was younger, coming up, nobody knew these guys, and they still don't. It's it makes no sense. It it 
You there's, no, they're getting passed by by the NFL and the NBA. I would say the NBA, especially. You know, the NFL players wear helmets, and unless you're uh, Tom Brady, that way more of them. Yeah, but uh, the NBA, there's a lot more well-known players in the NBA than there is in Major League Baseball for sure. Yep, absolutely. All right. thanks, 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 Paul. I appreciate the phone call. It's a problem. I wish I could be baseball commissioner. Now I would. I would hire somebody else to like do the hard stuff. And when I say hard stuff, I mean like the financials and everything. But I would the blocking and the tackling, the X's and the O's, the uh, the stuff that actually matters to grow the game. Man, I wish I could be a guy that just like whatever things I wanted to do in baseball, I was like the big boss. But then there's still a commissioner that could do everything that I didn't want to do. You want all of the reward and none of the blame. I want the fun stuff, man. I want the fun stuff. I want to. I want to market players. I want to publicize the good things that are happening. I want. I want baseball to stop being screwed with, in terms of gameplay. Relief pitchers being forced to face at least three batters when they come into a game just to speed it up by 17 seconds per game. Give me a break. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTM Joy. WTMJ. I said WTM Joy. I am just so joyful when I am hosting this show. It becomes WTM Joyful. I'm probably infringing on some contemporary Christian music station out there, which I am a fan of contemporary Christian music, so I'm not taking a shot at at this point. That's the music I listen to. Welcome back in here on WTMJ. I don't even see Ashton's face right now. He doesn't know where I'm going. We're talking about the Brewers. We are talking Brewers baseball at this point in time. It's funny, by the way. I shouldn't say this on air, but I'm going to because Ashton knows the kind of music I listen to. One time he like asked me, so what is, what's being said in those songs? <laughs> I tried to answer. I didn't have much of an answer for you, I don't think. No. Okay. Let's let's move on quickly and continue to talk Brewers baseball. I think something's really notable, and again, I'm not trying to go too deep into the weeds here on the Brewers calling up Keston Hira, but they did something which they don't do very often. They called Hira up before the Super 2 deadline. Now, if he ends up going back to AAA at some point in time, that's not going to have much of an implication on that because the the major league service time will stop when he goes back to AAA. Here's so if you don't understand what I'm saying, and God, I, I feel kind of bad bringing this up because it's so convoluted and so so complicated. But basically, in baseball, there's a system where players are under club control for a certain number of years. And for some portion of that time, you basically pay them a really low amount. And then you get to a period where a player is arbitration eligible and they get fairly big raises, but they're still under club control at that point in time. And then finally they can become a free agent after you go through that entire period. Because of service time stuff, which is how much time you spend in the big leagues, with young players who have not played in the big leagues yet, there's a point in what would be their first season that you can bring them up after a certain date and they won't accrue 
enough service time that year where everything gets pushed back. So uh, the contract amount that you tender them, arbitration, and their eventual free agency all gets pushed back a year. So most baseball teams, and I don't think there's, I'm not, there's not anything wrong with this. And if you remember the most, uh, probably the most notable time that this played out was with uh, Chris Bryant a few years ago with the Cubs, where he just killed it in spring training, and the Cubs left him at AAA, and then they finally bring them, brought brought him up after the uh, after the Super Two. So, especially for a team like the Brewers, small market team. Uh, not as much salary ability as some other teams out there, although to the Brewers' credit, they are continuing to expand payroll. Uh, you do that, you keep a player at AAA past that date, and then you have club control over them for another season. Well, Hero was killing it at AAA. Travis Shaw was going to leave the Major League roster, whether it's a totally legit injury or whether they just needed to get him away from the game a little bit, and they were able to find uh, a part of him that was a bit banged up to be able to put him on the injured list. No matter what it is, Shaw was going to exit the 25-man roster. And like they could have easily called up Corey Spangenberg. They could have easily brought up Spangenberg. He was on the 40-man roster. He was signed. He's got big league time. He wasn't putting up the numbers that Keston Hero was putting up, but you want to keep Hero at AAA to be able to cross past that Super 2 date, they could have easily brought up Spangenberg. And I would argue that most organizations in baseball would have called up their version. And in their version of this story, they would have called up their version of Corey Spangenberg. The Brewers called up Hero. And it's, it's notable. I can't remember. I'm trying to... Ashton, do you remember? I can't think of a time especially in the David Stearns era, I can't think of a time that a prospect like this was brought up pre-Super 2 cutoff. Because Hayter was middle of June, right? Yeah. I'm to, like right before July. Even Corbin Burns last year was yep. brought up late in the year. RC was like August. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so this is them valuing winning now over service time manipulation. And when I say service time manipulation, I think that's got kind of a negative connotation to it. I don't mean it in a negative way. Using the rules to your benefit to keep players an extra year, basically, is smart. It helps you stay competitive for a longer amount of time. So if the Brewers want to continue to manipulate and bring guys up after the Super 2 cutoff, good. Like, that's a good thing for them to do most times. But they're in a situation where a guy was performing really well, and they had a hole, and they they dealt with it. And I think they deserve credit. One of my, one of my pet peeves, I think, just in maybe in the world, not just the sports world, but in the world, is when things go well or people make compelling decisions. The, there's not credit. You know, we're, we're so quick to throw punches when something's going wrong. We're so quick to find the scapegoat. But when somebody does something well, we're a lot more reserved in heaping praise. And I try to be somebody. It is WTM Joy, by the way. I try to be somebody who heaps praise. And um, 
let's let's give some credit to to David Stearns and the Brewers organization for calling Hira up and not waiting on the Super Two deadline. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well at Matt Pauley on air. M A T T P A U L E Y on air. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. continues here on WTMJ. Matt Pauley with you for another 25 minutes or so as we talk all things Brewers baseball. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling in on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can text in as well, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. Tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Greg Matzik and I were talking about this a little bit at the end of his program today when we did our little crosstalk. It's it's interesting because so many things can change in a very short amount of time in baseball. And two weeks ago, how long has Gio Gonzalez been with the team? Eh? Three weeks now? About three weeks? Two and a half? Three weeks? Yeah, four starts worth, I think. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Let's call it three weeks. Three weeks ago, the Brewers' rotation was in such disarray that they had to go sign a guy that they were basically signing because they were familiar with him, not because of the way he was pitching this year. His numbers that he was putting up at Scranton Wilkesbury and the Yankees organization at AAA, they were bad numbers. He wasn't pitching well at AAA. There was nothing he was doing there that would indicate to you that he was going to join the Brewers and pitch to a sub-2 ERA over the course of his first uh, four starts. But they were at a point where, I mean, they're starting two, three weeks ago. The average innings pitched per game for per starter for the Brewers was four and two-thirds innings. Their starters weren't even pitching through five. They were relying on their bullpen to throw more innings than your starting rotation. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. It was a bad situation. And here we are, not that long later. It's been two and a half, three weeks since all that stuff was going on. And right now, you look at the Brewers, and you look at their starting rotation, and I'm not trying to say that their entire rotation is a bunch of all-stars, but I am saying that I'm pretty darn comfortable with the guys that they're throwing out there every five days. The only question mark for me was Freddie Peralta. And even though they were kind of doing the thing, I know Peralta, this last time Peralta did actually start the game, but that was because they were coming off another long 15-inning contest and that kind of messed things up where they weren't able to go with a initial out-getter on a Peralta day. And I think if Peralta would have stayed in the rotation, they would have considered continuing to go with that initial out-getter. But here's your five right now for the Brewers. Zach Davies, who went today, who I believe he still has the best ERA in the National League. I'll double-check that in a moment. Uh, Yoli Shasin, who's been pitching better recently. I've got a lot of confidence in him. Brandon Woodruff's been killing it. Woodruff's been really, really good recently. Gio Gonzalez. And then the fifth guy is Chase Anderson. 
Anderson's going to come off the injured list. He's going to start coming up on Saturday. They're putting Freddie Peralta in the bullpen. I'll be curious to see how they use Peralta. If Peralta's going to be first guy out of the bullpen to go as long as he can every fifth day, or if he's going to be used more as a conventional reliever. Maybe it's some sort of combination of the two. I This doesn't always work under the constraints of a 25-man roster, but I think it would make sense with Freddie Peralta to use it as a piggyback situation where he's he's connected to another starter, whether that's Chase Anderson. It probably makes sense to be Chase Anderson at this point. And Anderson goes as long as he can, and then Peralta comes in and goes as long as he can. And in a perfect world, those two guys cover the entire game, cover all nine innings, and you don't use your bullpen on those games. Now, that's a perfect world, utopian sort of uh, scenario. But going back to what I started this segment talking about, it's remarkable where the pitching staff is at. In the course of basically three weeks, they've gone from not even able to get five innings out of their starters consistently to now having a rotation where you feel pretty confident with these guys every every day going out there, I do. I maybe I maybe I'm like the Brewers because something the Brewers have done is they have at times overvalued their own pitching, and most of the time they've been right. When I use the word overvalue, I'm saying overvalue in terms of maybe how the industry views those pitchers. You know, you go talk to a scout who works for some other organization and say, "What do you think about?" pitcher X that is in the Brewers organization, and then you go ask David Stearns and company the same question, and the Brewers folks are going to talk more glowingly about their own guys than somebody from outside the organization. But that's that's probably somewhat true for most organizations. But the Brewers, that's why the Brewers opened up this season with a starting rotation that included Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff. It didn't completely work. We're a month and a half into the season, and only one of those guys is still actually starting. And Brandon Woodruff, Peralta's now in the uh, Peralta and Burns are in the bullpen. Burns is a conventional bullpen pitcher, and we'll see what it looks like uh, with Peralta moving forward. There's some pressure on Chase Anderson. I think there's definitely some uh, some pressure on Chase Anderson to be able to go out and get the job done. If if he were to falter, Peralta probably kind of moves into that spot. But I'm gonna. I'm going to be really curious to see what happens on Saturday, how long Anderson goes, if Peralta is the first guy in. Will they allow, sometimes in situations like that, they don't want a pitcher to come in in the middle of an inning. If you've got a starter who's piggybacking, you want him to start an inning clean. So if Anderson has to be removed mid-inning, maybe they bring in somebody to clean up that inning and then bring in Peralta the next inning. But there's just, there's a lot of scenarios right now. And one thing we can say about this club and this organization is they're willing to think outside the box and they're willing to do whatever they need to do to find ways to win baseball games. You know, Craig Council says it all the, de- all the time. What's the best way to go get your 27 outs? How do you go get those 27 outs and win a baseball game? And if it means doing things a little bit differently than other teams do them, so be it. Who cares? It's about winning baseball games. And there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of people I hear from on an every night basis who don't like the fact that they do things differently. But the same people 
were going crazy last year in the NLCS that the Brewers got within a game of the World Series. So uh, there's a there's a lot of equity that has been built up for me with the decision-making processes that's happening inside the organization and how they handle the starting rotation right now is a uh, is a big part of that. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Tax Line. You can also tweet in at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That is my Twitter handle. We will continue on with the program in just a moment on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Got to talk a couple of text messages asking about Jimmy Nelson, because we always get questions about Jimmy Nelson. It's funny, sometimes it's just, it's incredible. And look, I get it. I have a... I have a theory on Jimmy Nelson Ashton. Do you want to hear my theory? I don't know if I've shared this on the air or not. I've shared it on my podcast. I don't know if I've shared it on the air. I always want to hear your theories, Matt. I think, and Jimmy Nelson is a really good pitcher, He, especially when he got injured. You, he was pitching the best of his career at that moment. But I, I think Jimmy Nelson, to Brewers fans, has turned into kind of like the white whale. And I think it has to do with, had he not gotten injured when he got injured, the Brewers are in the playoffs that year. When when you look at what they did that year and the different bullpen guys and everything they did, Nelson available for the final month of that season or however long it would have been between his injury and the end of the season, he was worth at least one more win. He absolutely, I have no doubt in my mind that Nelson would have given the team at least one more win. So when you go back to that season, you can say, why did the Brewers not make the playoffs? Why did they finish one game out of the playoffs? Answer, because Jimmy Nelson got injured. So to me, he has turned into the white whale that Brewers fans kind of put him up on the pedestal. And look, he I don't know what he's going to look like moving forward. Here, here's the, the question is what's going on with him. He's pitched a couple uh, rehab games with San Antonio last time out. Five and a third innings, three runs on, five hits, five strikeouts, one walk. The results don't really matter at this point. It's more about him going out and throwing in competitive games. He threw 84 pitches in that contest. I think he starts again tomorrow. I believe he's starting again tomorrow, and they'll reevaluate. They have 30 days from the moment he first appeared in a game for San Antonio, so that was May 3rd until they have to make a decision on him to remove him from the injured list or, or whatever it might be. Uh, I don't I don't get a sense that they're going to be jumping to get him to the big leagues right away, let him take his time. The, the injury is a very different kind of injury, and pitching isn't a problem right now. So that's kind of the update. He's, he's at AAA right now on a rehab assignment, and things are going well, and they don't have to make a decision on him yet, so they'll continue to let him pitch down there. Let's go to Jim in Menominee Falls. Hey, Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, I'm just calling to uh, say that I think the Bucks have made a concerted decision to put a, win- a winning team on the field, and paying the winning team where they have the sixth highest payroll in NBA, whereas the Brewers have one of the lowest payrolls. They don't have one of the lowest payrolls. They're right in the middle. So they're in the bottom half. Oh, that doesn't mean... Okay. 
Okay, they're, I think they're... The, the, no, the Brewers are in the bottom half of the payroll. Hold on, Jim. They're right in the middle. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, they're right in the middle. Bo- you saying they have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball and them to meet in the bottom half. I think they're 16th in baseball in salary. That's They're, they're, they're spending... There's no problem with the amount of money they're spending right now, Jim. Yes, there is a problem with the amount of money they're spending. If you want to win, you got to spend the money. Just like the Bucks have. The Bucks have invested interest in winning, winning games. They spent the money. They have the sixth highest payroll in the NBA. Fact or not? Uh, fact, I guess. I don't know. Ashton, is that, is that true? I don't know. They're ter- I don't know why we're comparing sports. It's tw- it's twelve guys, fifteen guys versus twenty five. It's hard to compare a salary cap also versus a non salary cap. Is what I would say. Jim, where do you think the Brewers rank in payroll? I kind of just told you, but where do you think they rank in payroll in Major League Baseball? Probably about. Um, There's thirty teams. Uh, I'm going to say about nineteen. Uh, They're fifteen. Okay. Okay. League average is 134 million. The Brewers are just under that. The Brewers outspend teams in major markets like Phoenix, Arizona, like Detroit, Michigan. They outspend the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they're outspending the White Sox. They're outspending their way out. The Tampa Bay Rays, by the way, have the lowest payroll in baseball at 62 million dollars, and that doesn't stop them from winning, does it? I'm not saying payroll stops, but payroll depends upon whether you're going to win or not. It's more than that, Jim. It's also being willing to, uh, when they went and traded for Christian Yelich last year, they gave away four top-level prospects, including their top prospect in the organization, Lewis Brinson. There's some equity that goes along with that. You let those players walk out the door. There's a cost that goes along with that. What I'm saying is, if you want to put a winning team on the field and and not say guarantee, but have an opportunity to win the World Series, your payroll has to be above $124 million a year. Okay, they're at 127 so they got you. Thanks, Jim. 414-799-1620. I believe you have a, a favorite quote, quote that you like to use about numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. He's, he's bitching and moaning about the Brewers and the money that they spend, and he says they have to spend more than $124 million when they're spending $127 million. There you go, Jim. I just fixed your problem. You have a problem with how much they spend. 30 seconds ago, you thought they didn't spend $124 million. Well, guess what? They spend $127. You're welcome. You no longer have to worry about that anymore. This is Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continuing on here on WTMJ. Just a few minutes left in the program. I got So I mentioned this on uh, Brewers Extra Innings on one of the shows this past week, but it was after a really long game. It was pretty late at night when I mentioned this. And I love this stat, so I'm going to uh, share it with you. I don't... Ashton, I don't think you uh, you might not be aware of this. So, did you hear how many times the Rockies struck out the other day in their eleven inning game against the Red Sox? No, I did not hear this. They struck out twenty four times in one single game. That's a lot of strikeouts. Twenty four twenty four strikeouts in one game, right? That's a lot. I'd say so. 
Here is something incredible that was brought up by a uh, reporter in Denver. Tony Gwynn, 14 separate times in his career, did not strike out 24 times his entire season. So the Rockies struck out as a team more times in one single game than Tony Gwynn did 14 times in a season. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. Uh, Rockies won that game. Yeah, I think they, you won, said, right? they won that game in 11 innings. Which is by far the weirdest part of it to me, yeah, honestly. They struck out. Tw- Chris Sale had 17 strikeouts that day for the Red Sox. That's not a trend. We're not going to do is this a trend, are we? What would the trend be? Striking out a lot and winning? Well, I think there's a lot of strikeouts in baseball anyways. I mean, we're we're sitting here grabbing, navigating and grabbing you know, one single thing. I bet... I bet if we really worked hard at it, we could find a situation like this probably pretty frequently. It just kind of caught my eye because of who I follow on Twitter that they ended up, that ended up happening. But I just I think that's incredible. I think that is absolutely incredible that the Rockies as a team could strike out more times in one game than Tony Gwynn would an entire season, fourteen separate times in his career, and the Rockies would still win that game. I know people get frustrated with strikeouts. You know, it's really it's a good example of why people should not be as frustrated with strikeouts as they are. You know, there's a there's this feeling that you strike out that many times, you just you can't be a good team. And again, we're you, you base anything off one of one sixty two, you're going down a not so great path. But it's uh, that's interesting. I thought so. I wanted to share that uh, number with you. All right, Brewers are uh, in Atlanta. I can assume already they are going to open up a series against the Braves tomorrow. The Bucks play tomorrow night as well. So if you want to listen to the Brewers, you can listen over on our sister station, ninety four five ESPN FM, and our uh, post game show, Brewers Extra Innings. That's going to be over there as well. That's something new that we're doing this year. In previous years, when the Brewers have been bumped over to ninety four five, we didn't do the extended post game show. That's because it was a country station. Now it's a sports station, so we can do uh, Brewers Extra Innings. So I'll talk to you tomorrow uh, after the game uh, over on ninety four five. Five ESPN FM.